Welcome to Elixir Outlaws, the hallway track of the Elixir community. So I guess we can get started. We got exactly 30 people on board. Um, so I don't think I'll do you a good introduction. So I'll let you do the introduction for this particular session. I'm a big fan uh, for your information. I'm a big fan of Elixir Outlaws. I, I honestly listen to it a lot. So uh, I'll just give it to you to take it over from here. Well, Anna and Chris are not quite here yet, but I, I'll give a quick little introduction. Anna's having some trouble joining. So we started actually at an Elixir conference three years ago now, and we've been doing this podcast. Uh, we just get together and hang out and talk about Elixir and, and the community and and what we can, can do uh, and where we think that things are headed and sometimes our our breakfast that our kids ate and other random things. And uh, we love the community and love to be a part of it. And we were really excited when we heard that there was a new Elixir Conf coming up in Africa, new continent jumping in, and we just thought it was amazing and wanted to be able to take part. So thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Amos. And um, what I really love about how you normally do your podcast is, uh, should I call it the chemistry between... uh, you how you talk about things and how you jump into issues and all that stuff. Is this something that you built over time or that's just how you got it started? It's kind of it's just how we, we got it started. What we really wanted to do was mimic the conversations that we have in the hallway at in-person conferences. And then when there started to be remote conferences, we were hoping that by doing live podcasts at those conferences that we could start to bring in some of that hallway track and and fill get the community involved in the talks because this like this talk is is really part of everybody here if you have questions if you do anything just throw it in the chat inside of the Whova app and we will get to as much as we can in the amount of time we're here and all right fully awesome. participate <laughs> i yeah, see anna uh, now yeah, I can also see Anna here. By fully participate, you mean uh, ask questions, uh, contribute. Um, so um, how really do we get into this? Uh, do we raise our hands first so you mention our names? So do we uh, just, just throw it in the just throw a message in the chat on ah. on the Hoopa app is is how we've done it in the past. It works really well. All right. Okay. Anna Sorry about here. the technical difficulties on our end. Yeah, sorry about that. I saw the the lightning talk just before this. I, oh it's yeah, like technical issues are common this afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can we can just start and start talking yeah, start. about Keithley instead. Oh All my right. god, there's so much to say about him. <laughs> so I I hope everybody's been enjoying the conference so far. It was. Uh, I, I intended to get up really early in the morning and go watch all of the talks today, but I think I'm going to have to do that this afternoon. Uh, it is a very early 7 a.m. for Anna. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and 9 o'clock for me. So it, it's, it's yeah, definitely early in the morning. I got my coffee ready to go. I don't know if anybody else has their coffee or anything this afternoon. Uh, is there... So how how is the conference going for everybody? Yeah, uh, for, for, for me as uh, part of the organizing team, um, 
as usual. <laughs> you only see all the mistakes that are being made. <laughs> you, <never laughs> <need to concentrate. laughs> you don't concentrate on the good things. Uh, you're just pointing in, uh, things here and there. But uh, so far, it's been amazing. Uh, we started out with a very good tone on... Um, uh, when Jose was talking about the IEX copy-paste, so Jose has ultimately allowed us to copy-paste into IEX. Um, I think I will have to explain what that means if you missed that session. So um, previously, when you are piping into... When you're copying code that has pipes in them, then you paste it into IEX, it will actually complain. Mm-hmm. But now that is actually possible in Elixir 1.12. So... Copy pasting is now allowed in IEX. Well, it's uh, yeah, super I'm useful. <laughs> that is very useful. Yeah, <laughs> I've been frustrated by that many, many times in the past. <laughs> and I guess that was uh, almost everyone's takeaway of uh, the whole session that Jose was talking about. Everyone was like, "Yes, finally, a problem has been." <laughs> 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 Yeah. So like we... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, everyone was like, yeah, a problem in Elixir has been solved. Now we can copy-paste into IEX. Thank you, Joseph. <laughs> we're done. And we're done. It feels like uh, it, it's really funny how those um, like quality of life, uh, I would call them improvements, it, it, no matter how small they are, feel like like the biggest features. And, and they kind of often overpower other other features that are really powerful to get our jobs done day to day. But that quality of life, like it, I mean, it speeds us up. It keeps us going. So I, I love those things. Uh, like recently, the um, where you can uh, load dependencies in a in a mix script without having with it in an Elixir script without having to create a whole project in order to put some dependencies in is a really nice feature to add to. Been loving that. Looks like Chris is yeah. Chris is here. Muted away, but here. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going? It's good. Just get, getting, getting into the morning here for me. Yeah, it's early. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, I, barely got, I barely was able to sleep in for this. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, it's rough, rough for you, Keith Lee. Um, you just have to act like a conference organizer and get out of bed early. Hmm. <laughs> I'm curious how, I mean, do we have any questions yet? I'm curious how the, I don't um, am I saying your name right? Sigu? No? Yes. Did wrong. It's. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> I'm curious, like how, how the, how it's been kind of developing, building the Elixir community um, where you are. Is there a lot of interest? Sounds like there's a lot of people here and like, how's that been going? And like what that experience has been like for you all. Yeah, um, well, <laughs> it's it's literally an interesting experience because um, in Kenya, uh, allow me to talk about Kenya because mm-hmm. I, Kenya, uh, we've built the Elixir community in Kenya. So uh, I might have been the Elixir Kenya member number zero, one, two, three, or four, but I know I'm the first 10 of the members. And uh, we've seen the community grow with time. And... Uh, the interest that it sparks, uh, this is one of the community members, uh, is called Collins, and I've been able to meet him and talk to him simply because we created a WhatsApp group, which is our main means of communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Jack, what are you saying? <laughs> okay, sorry about that. So um, we've grown not exponentially. Uh, we've grown kind of in a linear way with time. Uh, but I feel like probably we've stagnated. So this is part of our effort to get in more people into this particular community. Got it. Yeah. I was just curious how and how people how are people how are people finding out about the Elixir community in Kenya? Okay, uh, I know how to redirect that question uh, because I didn't find out about it because we created it. So, well, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, good, find- good idea. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting question. Um, I think for me, I wanted to start an Elixir community, right? So I started this WhatsApp group as we do in Kenya, and um, I had like about five members. And then I go to Twitter and I see an announcement about a big Kenya um, meetup. Uh-huh. So I go and find out what's going on there. Yeah. And I send you guys the WhatsApp group that I had created, only to find out that you guys already have a WhatsApp group. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, what I did was go to the the, the new WhatsApp group and close it and tell everyone, guys, let, let's go over there. Let's go over there. <laughs> They're way more than us. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no point swimming upstream. Let's just let's just join the rest. So that's how we ended up at New Kenya. So you actually found it out on Twitter? Yeah, I found it okay. out on Twitter. Um, tried to get you guys to join our WhatsApp group, found that you had the WhatsApp group. Close that one and join this one. Um, so the same spirit with which we created that WhatsApp group, we also joined um, the WhatsApp group that you guys had created. And I, I would say the growth has been organic. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's not exponential. It's just one person at a time. Nice. Yeah. How many people are, are involved in the group now? We can check the numbers right I now. I check <laughs> Perfect. This is live. <laughs> yeah, this is live. <laughs> this is live data. <laughs> yeah um how many 117 117 wow oh, that's, that's awesome. amazing that is really awesome and that, and that is only in kenya um imo you can talk about uh, nigeria if mm-hmm. imo is on the call and you're free to speak about it and then uh, shuaib is also there uh we've also talked to shuaib who is in nigeria um then uh, we also have Daniel from Uganda. Uganda. So any of you can talk about uh, the Elixir community because it's not only the Kenyan Elixir community. This is a, it's an African conference. It, it's an African conference. Yeah. There's an English word I was looking for. Con- conglomerate. Uh, conglomeration. <laughs> conglomeration. Yes. yes of, that's, of, of community. Of community. Yeah. So um, Daniel or Imo, any of you? Yes, sir. So we got Kenya, Nigeria, Uganda, you know, groups in those three places? Yes. So we would just love them to talk about them if uh, if they're free to or if they're in, uh, in a position to. I don't know or if, if they put it in chat, I'll read it. Yeah. <laughs> if, they they can't happen. if they can't happen. Yeah. Shwait is also here. Happy to see you here, Shwait. Yeah. If Emma is absent, I think Shwait can speak for him. Yeah. So... Still okay. Oh, Rashid is also here. Oh, Rashid is also here, so they can speak. Or type something on the chat. Oh, oh I see something in the chat. Yeah, that's right. Shy. Uh, I could talk about Uganda. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Welcome. 
cool. So in Uganda, the Elixir community is not that big, I'd say. We don't have like uh, more of uh, a unified group or meetup that we do regularly. However, for example, the com- we have like a very, very few companies that are not able to use Elixir. However, the engineers are spread over. You find like uh, Ugandan engineers using Elixir, but not necessarily working for companies that are in Uganda or even actually meeting because some of them actually may not even be living in Uganda. So, for example, one company, you know, that was really using Elixir was Safeboda and uh, is still using. But uh, so most of the first, you'd say the community of Elixir engineers were all mostly working for that same company. And uh, so we are like a few handful of engineers. We know each other. So mostly for me, when... I heard about the conference of like, this is a good opportunity for the guys to actually have more engineers join Elixir, have more Ugandans use it. So, and the way I got about to know about the conference was actually, I think I got an invite. The goal was to be a speaker, but uh, I was like, no, I would rather support on uh, getting more people to participate in the, on the conference. Yeah. So basically, cool. in Uganda, we are still growing and uh, one step at a time, I would say, not as big as Kenya. That's cool. cool. That is really cool. Uh, and I feel like, I mean, any, anywhere where community is building, often it feels like, you know, when I, the work that I've done in San Francisco, the work that folks have done in other places, right? Like, I feel like it often is just like one step at a time, right? And like mm-hmm. when communities build organically, even if it's slower, if people actually feel connected to the community and they, you know, like feel welcome and they feel like they're able to participate, um, then like they're more likely to stay, right? And so those organic connections where you're actually meeting people and like forming that community um, is, I think, super valuable. So that's awesome. That's really awesome. The best way to to learn too is from people that you're friends with. It's it's so much easier to talk to people about the, the struggles that you're going through when you know them well. So yeah, that building that community allows you to get that comfort level where you can ask questions that maybe you think aren't the smartest questions in the world, but be comfortable asking. What are you up to, Chris? He's all quiet today. I know that's very unusual for him. <laughs> I just I'm just maybe this is listening. the least he's the least he's spoken <laughs> ever. Uh, I feel so so called out (laughs) I'm curious to I mean I'm curious to hear from the audience what are folks I mean we we don't have any questions in the chat but if folks have any I'm curious what folks are excited about with regards to Elixir unless Amos you were going to say we have one question in the Q&A this is like the most pointed Elixir Outlaws question I think we've had Uh, what keeps Elixir Outlaws going and have you experienced podcast fatigue and how the team how does the team manage it uh, anybody want to go first? <laughs> this is well, I haven't talked yet, so I can talk about this. All right, good. Um, go ahead, go ahead, Casey. Yeah, I think we we totally experience podcast fatigue. I for, I know I won't speak for the others, but what keeps me going is the fact that <laughs> is the fact that we kind of put so little effort into the show. <laughs> like we, it's it's we don't overproduce it. We don't you know, we don't have guests on really. We don't, everything about it is uh, highly unpolished. It really is pretty much, I start recording, I open the Zoom call, people join, we talk about stuff, I stop recording. And then at some point the edited audio comes back and we publish it. Like that's, 
that's the sum total of like my involvement. And that to me is very fun. And that keeps it, that's what lets me keep going just because it's fun just to sit and talk with these folks and talk about this language and runtime that I, um, that has brought me so much joy in my just like personal life and, and, and like work life. And, uh, and so, yeah, so it keeps it very like low key and getting, and then getting to do stuff like this where I get to like come in and be like, you know, just this like extra part of the community and get to engage with people. Like, um, that helps keep, keep me going through, through all of it, but totally podcast fatigue is totally a real thing. And, um, and yeah, I don't know. At this point, I think I keep doing it too, just because like, it's a bit of a, um, it's comforting just to be able to like talk to friends to some degree. Like we don't have to like be on our, our best game and we don't have to, you know, have a bunch of questions lined up for somebody and like be really polished. Like we can just be ourselves and just talk. And that, that keeps me going. Yeah, agreed. I mean, we, we've talked about, I mean, there, you know, podcast fatigue is a real thing. And, you know, that's a conversation that we've definitely had before and talked about, like, you know, are we still having fun? Do we still, at one point we're like, are we still having fun? Do we want to keep doing this? And I think like the agreement that we came to echoing Chris's sentiment was that, you know, if we're, as long as we're still having fun doing this thing, we'll keep doing it. But if it's, if, if this is, there's a reason like we don't have a full sponsor and we don't like, it's so that we, you know, it's on our terms. And if we stop having fun or if we're tired or if it doesn't seem like a thing we want to keep doing anymore, we can just stop. And so I think that also just makes it feel easier. There's less pressure again to perform or be on. And then again, to Chris's sentiments, I think, especially this last year, which has been crazy for everybody, it's been like a nice thing to be able to just talk to friends and talk about what's going on and not always have it be, I mean, have it be, have it, you know, be able to like, A, kind of distract ourselves with, with you know, interesting things happening in Elixir because there's so much else going on in the world but also just having like a fun, uh, safe space, talk to friends, um, which has been great. Yeah. I, I am so on board with the fact that we, we don't plan a whole lot and we keep it organic. Like the whole idea when we started this was, you know, I, I said earlier was to, um, be like a hallway track at a conference. Like what would you talk to people that you see at the conference, people that maybe you only get to see once a year at the conference, what, what things do you talk about? Sometimes it's elixir, sometimes it's family, sometimes kids. And every week I get to sit down with Chris and Anna, who I love very much. I love talking to them. They challenge me as a person. They challenge me in writing software and the thoughts that I have. Um, and I get to keep going. Even, even sometimes we have been on here, we, get, we re- almost get on every Thursday. But because we don't have things planned, if we're just not feeling it that day, we don't have to record. We don't have to show up. When we do show up, we talk to each other. Sometimes we don't even record. We just say, hey, today I just need your support. So I have like a little support group within the community. Um, So that keeps it going. And there are days where I just, I'm like, guys, I, I don't want to record maybe not in the next two weeks. I'm exhausted. We, I can't, I can't do this. There's too much going on in life. So, I mean, podcast fatigue or life fatigue, I'm not real sure which one it is, but it's very involved and keeping it light on the work that we have to put in and mm-hmm. makes it fun. Uh, I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, I'm, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to read the next question, but oh, yeah, go. <laughs> um, oh, we have two of them now. Um, Elixir is a beautiful language and lots of folks love it. What can 
we say is its downside specific to a language and a community at large? Ooh, hard-hitting question. question. That's a good question. <laughs> it is a good question. I don't know. I've seen so much good lately. It's it's hard to hard to find the downsides. Like I've watched local meetups through, you know, everybody being locked down, meetups spreading out and inviting people from other countries and other locations and really um, taking advantage of the situation we've all been put in. So that's, it, it's hard for me to find uh, like community wise, a downside programming wise, Elixir wise as a language. I think there is a, for me, there's a lot of emphasis on um, like web programming specifically. And, and I think, think that in a lot of ways that can hold us back as a community because you can do so much more with Elixir. The nurse nurse group shows that they do, they do other things. There's uh, hope I'm hoping NX coming in will bring some more ML type stuff and start to show that there's, there's a lot more to Elixir than Phoenix and writing web apps, even though that's powerful and a lot of fun to do. Uh, how about, how about you guys? Chris wants to say not enough people are using nets. I think I'm going to put words in his mouth. <laughs> no, I think um, as someone who recently went through uh, <laughs> like the process of finding a new job, I'll just say that like um, there's a lot more jobs, but definitely, you know, like you don't have a huge, like there, there's just, I, I think there's a lot more people who want to be doing Elixir than there are people to employ them. <laughs> like at this point, Um so that's a little bit of a bummer, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think the community is just, well, sorry, I say it. The community is just smaller. And when you have a smaller community like that, like a lot of the, like, I'm going to call it like medium level information, right? The stuff that you need when you're not just getting started anymore. Um, you've learned a bit about the language and now you want to do the next thing when, when you're ready for that there's not a ton of like documents or books or videos or any of that sort of stuff to like help get you to the next thing. And so I think a lot of people have a hard time going from like, I know a lot about this language. I've, I really am excited about this language. How do I become an expert in this language? There's like a pretty big gap between those two things. And I think we could benefit a little bit from more, from, from more like um, share from sharing knowledge in that sort of range. Um, I keep saying like, I'm going to write a book on how to do like more advanced, like system design. And then I'm like, that seems like so much work. I am not, I, I don't have time for that right now. <laughs> so, but like, I think that is kind of the thing that I, I would say that's one of the things that is missing to help people get, get like kind of level up and get to the next thing. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's really astute kind of assessment of where the community is, which is good in the sense that the community is growing rather than more people in working more with the language. We do need that something more, more of that, more of those resources to help people level up. And to Chris's point about like companies hiring, I think that's kind of one of the just re-echoing that one of like the downsides is that then it's good that there are now more people who want to work in the language and there are opportunities, but now grow, trying to grow the other side of that so that there are more opportunities for people to be able to actually work and get paid for writing this language. Um, that would be awesome. There's definitely way more companies than when I started. Oh yeah. This, it's, this changing. it's changing. It's changing. It's been amazing changing. to watch. Um, and, and I think it's, yeah, it's 
it's getting better and better and better. So, and, um, and there's a lot of secret companies out there too. There's, there's a lot of companies that I field calls from that are like, don't, don't tell anybody, but we're doing Elixir and, and like startups to even like large companies that just, they don't want to let everybody know yet. Like maybe they have something hidden that they're trying to work on. And so they don't want to say we're doing Elixir. And then people say, well, what are you working on? And they say, we can't say. So they just stay quiet until they can, can be public with whatever they're working on. So there's a, there's a lot going. I think we have a really good question for Anna. It's got a, a few upvotes. It says, what advice would you give someone who wants to start a community or meetup? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, In the U.S., it's pizza. Yes, pizza. Um, I think the, actually the biggest piece of advice that I would give is try and find, if you can, a couple other people to do it with you. It's really hard to stay. That stuff takes a lot of work, um, as the conference organizers can probably tell you, or anybody who's organizing a meetup can tell you. Um, it's a lot of work to keep it going. Um, and it's, you know, it's really easy. I've experienced burnout on this stuff myself. Um, with Litzer Bridge because it was all, you know, it's all volunteer based. So it's all just you and your time. And the biggest success I've had, I actually ran for a few years, uh, Ruby Meetup in San Francisco with two other people. And that made it way more sustainable. Ran it for three years. It was really successful. We had people show up and we do talks once a month um, at different places. And so the fact that we have kind of shared the responsibility and the workload made it way easier to keep it going for that long. So that'd be my biggest piece of advice is if you can find people who are also excited, who are willing to do it with you, it'll make it a lot easier and make it way more sustainable in the long run. I feel like it's the same as doing a podcast, mm-hmm. like find people that you enjoy being around and, and start to grow that community and keep adding people that you enjoy being around to it. Um, but if you, if you have those people that you can work with and that you like working with, it's so much easier even when, when some days it's hard. Totally. Can I add something on to what Anna just said about building mm-hmm. a community? Yeah. Yes. Um, the single uh, single piece of advice that I normally give anyone who asks me that question is uh, you need to be consistent. So if you're having your meetups every Monday, just have your meetups every Monday, whether it's three, four, or five of you, or 50 of you, just have your meetups every Monday. And with time, you will get more and more people interested and in about six months, you realize that you've covered a lot more than if you are waiting for a quorum for you to cover it. Yeah, and pizza is also important. <laughs> <laughs> totally. That totally makes sense. You don't have to have a speaker. That's the other thing uh, to yeah. get a meetup going. You're just building a community. You don't have to have a talk every month. Um, we actually right. just had an Elixir meetup last night, um, one of the first in-person ones. So we were at a park and all spread apart, sitting on on different benches and talking and and we didn't have a speaker. It was just, hey, let's get together again. Let's talk to each other, see how everybody's doing, support each other wherever we are in our journey in, in Elixir or in life. Great. And that point that point about consistency is, is really key. Like, it doesn't matter how. It doesn't matter if it's every week, if it's like once a month, but it's like the same time every month, right? Like people, most people that are, are used to pattern patterns, right? And schedules. And so like, or have schedules, right? And so being consistent so that people know when they can show up um, is definitely, definitely important. Yeah. And in person, if you're meeting in person, don't change locations either. I, I ran a meetup before that 
we had a lot of people coming. It was a Ruby meetup many years ago and um, we lost our location and had to move locations and we lost about half the people. They just stopped coming because they were used to going to this one place. And then we like almost immediately lost the next location and had to move again. Uh, and it really kind of destroyed the group. It dropped from, you know, we would have anywhere between 30 and 60 people per month showing up and it dropped down to like 10 within a couple of months, just because of inconsistent locations. Uh, and I would get messages from people that they were at the right location. They would be at like an old, uh, the original location. They're like, Hey, I'm here, but I can't get in. Where's everybody. And, and you have to, get to deal with that. And then they're just frustrated. They don't come back unless you have like a really close relationship with them. Makes sense. Um, there's another question about, I think someone asked it's, there's been a little bit of talk about it in the, in the Zoom chat, but uh, Elixir not being friendly to juniors, especially in the context of career opportunities. Mm. I, yeah, I, I've seen that a lot is that, uh, a lot of the places that are hiring are they're, they're saying, I, I want somebody who's been doing this for a few years. And the number of us that have been doing this for a few years is a lot smaller than, than the number of people who want to get in board. If you're in that position, I think you reach out and start, uh, I mean, meetup groups are a great way and you start to find those people that probably fit the bill and fit what you need even if they may have not done a lot of Elixir or you can start training them, reach out to your managers. If you're not in a hiring position and say, Hey, look, I think we can take in this, this uh, person that, yeah, they don't have a lot of Elixir experience, but they've been programming for a while, or they have this experience that, that can help us. And you, you almost have to be a sales person for, for bringing, bringing people in uh, and, and growing community and that will benefit all of us. So bringing in those juniors and being that salesperson is, is really important. Yeah. I think someone's talking about though, more about as in, as in looking at the chat, I think there's some, there are some questions around um, like employers saying they don't actually have the opportunity to hire or onboard Elixir developers. Um, oh, they can't find them. Or like, not, not yeah, the... they, um, well, someone's saying they've like, they've not had the opportunity to write uh, Elixir full time but they're referring to like employers claiming that they don't have the opportunity to hire Elixir developers. Like Elixir developers are out there, but maybe they're not willing to hire developers. They're not willing to hire developers, like to, to your point, that don't have a certain amount of experience. They're not willing to hire developers that are newer to the language. And that's a tough question to, like it's hard to start to know the approach, like exactly what the answer is to that. Yeah, I'll lie. Huh? <laughs> I like, I, I'm, I'm, I think you should lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's the because it's the same thing of like <laughs> yeah it, well it's it's the same thing of like um this <laughs> this uh this this web framework is five years old the company is hiring for people want ten years of experience ten years of yeah. experience with the web framework <laughs> or whatever it's it's that thing so I think if if companies are gonna play those sorts of silly games like you're allowed to play that game back at them <laughs> like if, you know i i don't know <laughs> um, I, it's such an industry-wide problem it's not even an elixir thing it's just like it's true it's totally an industry the industry problem. is so screwed up <laughs> like yeah i need 20 years of docker experience <laughs> it's uh -huh. like okay 
<laughs> totally. Uh, um, absolutely, me. I'd like, yeah. I like. I don't even need. Are you answering? Are you answering Paul's okay. question? Yeah. The question here was, who has the least love for Ruby among the outlaws? My guess is Chris. Spot on. <laughs> like, I don't even need to ask the other two, and I know it's me. <laughs> it's very strong opinions. Why? Oh, I just didn't. I would say it's like it's more like I have no affinity to it. Like, I didn't really like. I, I worked in Ruby. But I never had that, like, I think a lot of people who are coming from Ruby had this sort of a, this moment with Ruby where they, it like reinvigorated their love for programming or like, or, or was special to them in, in some, in some specific way. And I never had that. It was like part of my job that I needed to, when I worked at Carbon 5, that I needed to write Rails and write Ruby. And it was like, okay, sure. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Whatevs. Like, I just never had that, like, attachment to the language uh, on, like, kind of a personal, emotional level. And I actually think, like, there's a lot of things that I care about that Ruby doesn't care about, which I, you know, like, I care about performance. <laughs> um, and, like, that's not, that's Ouch. not, <laughs> it's like, I care about it as, like, a first-class thing, right? Like, as, like, a thing that I, that, that, and it's like not important to Ruby as a design. It's important now because it turns out that companies used it for some reason, right? Like, you know, like it's kind of, it's kind of makes no sense, right? Um, when you look at like at, at that language and like what it was designed to do, it was like designed for programmer happiness. It's like, that's like the, literally stated, right? It's not designed for anything else. That's totally fine. There's, there's no shade against picking developer happiness or your personal happiness or whatever. When you build a language, it's your language. Build your language however you want. Like, I have no problem with that. But it means that when you, any, anything you pick when you build a language, any, and this is true for any system, any, any choices you make are a tacit choice to not focus on something else. You can't focus on all the things unless you're JavaScript. And then that's and a whole just, different story. And then, and yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the language that is all the languages. Um, <laughs> and so, for better you can, or worse. Yeah. You, if, whatever you're picking, you're, choosing to not pick a bunch of other things and like not having a concurrency model was like part of Ruby's design. Like having a gill was part of Ruby's design. Nothing wrong with that. That's a design choice. It's just not a design choice that like makes me happy. And so Ruby's optimized for someone's developer happiness, but it wasn't optimized for Chris Keithley's developer happiness. So what? Perfect. What was, what, what was that moment for you with Elixir, Chris? Do you remember? Where I was like, oh, this rocks. Like, this is yeah. cool. Yeah, it was a functional language, which I dug already. I liked functional programming kind of to begin with. And it, but it had like the concurrency story. It had the supervision and OTP. And that was, um, that was it for me. Like, like seeing how supervisors and that sort of stuff could solve so many problems that I had had in every system that I'd worked in, uh, that like I was instantly sold and then add on to that, like, Oh, here, look, data <laughs> and functions. Oh, sweet. Like, I don't want anything besides data and functions. That's awesome. Yeah. That was it for me. And I just, I never really looked back. I, we have to end. I don't want to, I want to hear more. Um, but I think it's a great place to end on like why, why you were drawn to Elixir and, and why Elixir is awesome. Um, data and functions, concurrency, 
Like what else can you ask for? Right. Totally. <laughs> thank you all for having yeah, us. Thank you so uh, much. Have a great rest of the conference. I will be going back and watching the shows. I did or the talks. I just couldn't, I couldn't drag myself out of bed that early this morning. I tried <laughs> 3 a.m. was way too early for me. <laughs> <laughs> But thank you for having us. Have yeah, a thanks so day, much, y'all. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Yeah, uh, thank you so much, everyone. Uh, thank you, Amos. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Chris. Nice to see you again. Uh, we'll see you again on the next session. Uh, Chantelle will be taking us through the Alan, Ecosy Alan Foundation. Airline Ecosystem Foundation. Airline Ecosystem Foundation uh, on the next session. Then we're going to have an amazing closing session. Uh, Chris, there's a question that we were asked by Francesco. You never answered it. It's a proposal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that skipped my mind. Will you read that? Then we go. Uh, the question from Francesco to Chris was, want to write a book with me, Chris? Oh, no. <laughs> 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 Ouch. No, no, no. So I'm saying, oh, no, like I have to think about it. Um, <laughs> not, oh, not, oh, no. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. let me just, think about that. Just like, like starting a community or a podcast, finding people to, to do it with you and, and make you stick to it is the secret. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you I'll, get, I'll think about, about it. I'll, I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you very much, everyone. Uh, we will see you on the next call. Uh, bye bye. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.